Welcome to the Awareness Podcast. Every week, one of our four hosts, Bill Free, Jackie Greggs, Cindy Krupp, and Susan Telford, and their guests, will discuss spiritual awakening in everyday life. Listen in as they discuss their newest insights and share what has helped them remove the obstacles to self-realization, inner peace, and happiness. Hi everyone, this is Susan Telford and I'm here today with my guest Helen Hamilton. Hi Helen, thanks so much for joining me. Hi Susan, thanks for having me. I'm really excited about being here. Wonderful. I'll just tell you a little bit about Helen in case you haven't come across her before. Helen is a spiritual teacher based in the north of England. She's the mother of four children. And after struggling through her own spiritual awakening, um, Helen's teaching style is very much devoted to a direct approach, um, helping people to awaken in a straightforward, simple manner. I think it's true to say, Helen, that my experience of your teachings is direct and uncompromising, but based in love and compassion for the for the ego. Would would you yeah. say that that's that that's true? Yeah, I think um, we all do enough judging of our own self. Uh, we, you know, we need some kind of. I certainly did some some loving, reassuring influence, but also. You know the, the role of a teacher is to guide, you know, remind and guide, uh, and and I try to do that as compassionately as what I would have wanted to hear when I was in that position <laughs> and needed to hear. Yeah. So um, Helen teaches worldwide. She holds satsang online and um, in person again. Helen, are you are you able to do in person again now? Uh, we've just gone back to online only due to the restrictions here. It's uh, yes. yeah. Okay, so um, you just said that you know you you are the kind of teacher that you would like to have had when you were going through your own spiritual awakening. So um, tell us a bit about that. What was that like for you? When, when did you first become interested in a spiritual path? Gosh, I think uh, I've always been looking for something. Always, it's my first uh, memory that I, I can recall was just this sense uh there certainly wasn't a spiritual seeking or I wasn't aware of it like that um the very first memory I can recall as as being a very young child and feeling like something was just going wrong something was wrong something wasn't right about this about me about this I didn't know what this was you know but um a, a real sense of just having forgotten something really important and uh, I'm sure a lot of us had that. Um, and, and it just, that urge to find some kind of fulfillment just manifested itself throughout my life in different ways, uh, being a mother, being a business owner. And all those things that I tried to do in my life um, were, were fulfilling and rewarding, but it, but it never gave me that sense of completion. And uh it just kind of eventually stumbled from trying to get something out there to, and literally stumbled into trying to find something in here. Um, there must be some 
uh, you know, I came across all the new age teachings, law of attraction, all of that stuff. And then um, eventually meditation and in the middle of a deep, deep depression, um, realized that what I was actually looking for was not anything out there in a way. Like it was a very haphazard stumbling along approach. Because that's what we do, isn't it? When If we think that something's missing, we assume it's out there. And yeah. if I, you know, if I just get this thing or this relationship or this job or this career, or then I'll be happy. Then I'll find the peace that that I'm looking for. So yeah. what, what actually caused you to realise that it, it wasn't out there, that, that you needed to, to turn in another direction? Was that um, the depression you mentioned? Yeah. Um, when I was uh, the sort of the lowest point of my depression my outer life um I had a successful business I had four wonderful children a really nice partner at the time that we'd been together for a long time and you know challenges like any relationship but there there was no external reason that anyone could point to and say this is why you're depressed and I struggled with it for a very long time because of that before I even admitted that I needed help and um it, it, it was a turning point when I could admit that it's okay, that this isn't enough, that there's still something missing, that there's nothing wrong with what's going on in my life, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I don't even know what that is still. I didn't even know I was looking for the truth of my being still. So it was a, a horrible thing to go through, as I'm sure anyone that's been there can, a really black hole, but... Yeah. I really resonate with that because I can remember for myself kind of saying to myself and writing in my journal, what's wrong with you, Susan? Why can't you just be happy? Yeah. <laughs> because the same, you know, the outer circumstances were nothing wrong with them, but there was that, there was something else. Yeah. And uh, I felt like a fraud in my own life in a way. Yes. You know, just... um everyone else seemed to be happy or at least they were doing a better job of hiding how unhappy they were. <laughs> and it just was falling. I was falling apart more and more. So luckily I just kind of um, stumbled upon meditation and uh, didn't even know what awakening was at that point still for quite some time. So what, who were the teachers that you followed or what kind of practices did you do? What, what was your, what was your journey? Sure. Every absolutely every every teacher I could find, I studied. I mean, the contemporary teachers, uh, Muji was massively influential for me. Ajishanti, um, Eckhart Tolle, uh, Power of Now book. I just devoured it uh, over and over again. But everything from Ramana to the um, Upanishads and everything in between that and the and the modern contemporary teachers. I was kind of just fascinated at all the all the different ways that truth was presenting itself for these different teachers and pathways and countless different types of meditation I tried um, and got something out of each one of them. You know, I can't really point to any one specific teacher that I could say they, they were the one that did it for me because it was all these pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. You, know, you could get something from one teacher that they would explain it clearer or something would click into place that you couldn't quite fully grasp from somebody else. You know, a nugget of gold from each one, you know, and uh, it all just came together eventually in this deepening of understanding that, that just became more and more experiential. Yeah. 
um, quite often people have a glimpse and something really changes, but it doesn't last. Did mm-hmm. you, did you have a sense of that of of thinking, oh, you know, now I see, and then it it, it almost closes over again. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, the very first time I sat in meditation, uh, I didn't know what to expect and I felt completely embarrassed. And when it was up in my bedroom and I didn't tell anyone I was going to do it because I it was like, I was just desperate to, to come out of this depression. And I had this mind bending bliss, you know, that just after about 40 minutes, I just, um, Scott came back and like, oh my goodness, what on earth was that? That is what I've been looking for all my life without realizing. And I thought that that would be it then for, you know, every time I meditated, I would feel the same. (laughs) And it was quite a shock when I realized that that wasn't going to happen. And I had to, you know, all this noise, mental noise was coming up and restlessness and irritation, anger, everything that had to be looked at was coming up. Then every time I sat to meditate and um, I would have these moments of recognition that there is something that is different to how I normally perceive reality. And almost like I was looking through a kind of a little hole in a fence at something much bigger. And as much as I wanted to stay there, I, I couldn't. It was kind of sucked back into my normal everyday level of consciousness. And that was that went on for a couple of years. It was um very, very uh, frustrating, painful, added to the sense of desperation even that there was some, I now knew what I was missing out on, which was even worse in some ways than before I knew. So how did you deal with that? Because I know that, you know, sometimes people can have these, I had one myself and for Mm -hmm. a long time, I tried to get it back. I was always looking back, trying to recreate how that had happened and I found what did I do in my meditation that day what did I do different yeah yeah it it was just through sheer painful experience of realizing it was an experience so it couldn't eventually it became clear it couldn't be the ultimate truth as nice as that was that couldn't be it because it was coming and going still and I'd reached a point where the... Sorry to interrupt you, but say a little more about that, um, that you realised that that was an experience, that it came and it went, and therefore it couldn't be the truth. Say a little bit more about that, because there may be people listening who um, don't uh, don't realise what you're pointing to there, and I think it's it's really important. Yeah, um, there'd be these moments of... um, it seemed like something just, I just went into some different place inside my own consciousness where nothing really seemed to ever been wrong. Uh, I felt complete. I felt whole. I felt um, like I'd arrived somewhere deep, deeply peaceful. Usually some bliss came with it and the deep sense of love for every everything and everyone. And it would last for seconds, um, uh, minutes sometimes, sometimes even hours. Uh, and it would just randomly seemingly happen. And I began to kind of figure out if I tried to chase that and get it back again, uh, as we were just saying, the opposite happened. And eventually kind of learned to, I realize now it's surrender, but just 
I'm going to sit in my meditation today and whatever happens, I'm just going to be okay with because that's the fastest way back to that place, whatever that place is. And I just began to enjoy that more and more when it happened. But at the same time, the more frequent that became, I began to experience the opposite. So um, seemingly coming back out of that beautiful place, not knowing why or how it had gone, blaming myself that it had gone. I'd done something wrong, obviously. And then in this pit of despair and misery again, that, that was just the polar opposite of this beautiful experience. And I think actually, um, looking back now, having success in my outer life to some degree with business and family and all of that, but still that not giving me the, the permanence of that feeling helped me here as well because I had that same feeling, but it was it was it was coming and going short-lived. And then I was thrown into the opposite feeling. But suddenly having heaven sort of given to you or experience it and then it's gone and no idea how to get it back or when it's going to come back if you'll ever feel that again that's about the worst place to hang out and eventually I didn't even want those high moments because I knew how I would feel when they're gone and it just kind of oh, I don't know developed into this um I want to feel that way, but I want to feel that way all the time. How do I get to feel that way all the time? I have no clue what I was doing when I was asking that kind of question. But it was an opening a doorway to something. You know, it, it must be possible to feel that way all the time, you know, to figure out why it's disappearing somehow. It's started a, kind of a whole new search then in a way. Yeah. And... um so how did you how did you find that what what happened? I just began to become um, tired of experiences, tired of as we were just saying, spiritual experiences, which is all I'd experienced to that point. There, there must be something that is permanent and stable, and I don't even want the bliss and the love if it's got to go. I just I've got to this point where I just settle for peace, just peace, but peace that stays. And um, around about that time, I began to discover, um, listening more to Ajishanti, and he's, he's talked a lot about beliefs and coming out of that seeming beautiful place and not fighting to try to get back into it because those were the beliefs that we were seemingly throwing us out of. So whenever I start to think again, I'm going to start to feel uh, worse and the only way I began to realize the only way to uh, stop believing thoughts is to begin to question them uh, because they so when I'm in that beautiful place it's so obviously not true that I'm unworthy or not ready because here it is right now you know this and it doesn't even seem true there you're in the garden of Eden you know and mine says you're not good enough and you're like oh no so why do I believe it when I'm in that other place, that lower place? And what can I do about that became just as important really as, as finding peace or it became clear that that was the way for, to permanent peace. Yeah. There seems to be some kind of intuitive sense, doesn't there, that any experience, no matter how blissful, if it comes and goes, it can't be the truth. 
Yeah. And, and in the end, it's like uh, um, a roller coaster because those extremes become more and more extreme. The highs are high and, and the lows are even lower. And this time between them, you know, went from a couple of months to a couple of days to within two minutes of coming out of that beautiful place, I was in despair and just dragging myself through the rest of my day trying to get to the point where I could just go to sleep at night time. And um, so why did you continue, Helen? Because, you know, as you're speaking, there's yeah. it, it, it might have been, and I'm sure, you know, it has been for others where they, they think this is just not worth it. It's making things worse. I quit. I quit several times. I threw all my books away. I gave all my books away. All, all my, I spent a lot of money on books and I'm never watching this outsang again. And I think the longest I ever managed was about three days, but it, it became very clear that, which was even worse in a way, that I wasn't driving this this thing anymore. It was <laughs> happening to me. Yeah. And despite my best intentions, I found myself back on the pathway, yeah. really grumpy at myself. And uh, I realized that the only way through it was through it. I had to find, I couldn't go backwards. I, I'd kind of seen this place that was possible, this experience that was possible. And once you've seen that, there's the, you can't settle for anything else somehow on some level. Can't unsee it. Yeah. yeah. I tried. I, I really tried, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. I, I've said to myself so many times, oh, Susan, why can't you just be normal? <laughs> yeah. Why can't you just enjoy, uh, you know, going just down the road everybody else. and that's your major goal in life? Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. So that, that kind of brings, well, there's a couple of que questions I want to ask. Um, so we've just, we've spoken there about experiences coming and going mm -hmm. and for a lot of people, the spiritual path is motivated by chasing spiritual experience. If I do X, Y, you know, we may read books in this kind of culture we're in. We read lots of books from people who have had an awakening and we think, oh, I want some of that. So yeah. if I do what they did, then, then this will happen for me, which is true. Mm -hmm. But it's motivated by... Um, I just want inner peace. I just want joy. I just want yeah. happiness. Um, yeah. And so, so speak to that a bit. The 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 motivation for the spiritual practice being about chasing spiritual experience. How how does that play itself out? I think it's where we all start from. It certainly was for me, as you said. Uh... I would give anything and everything I own to just feel peaceful for five minutes when I started this. And, and I, that was my 20 minutes of meditation where I just didn't suffer for 20 minutes. That's That was enough to get me through the rest of the day. And then I began to sort of do different types of meditation and read all these different um, teachings and teachers and uh, realized there are all kinds of spiritual experiences possible and set out to try and experience them all and very much a mirror of what I'd done in my outer life. Let me try all this stuff and see what it's like. And it, it was good. It was nice. Um, but eventually it's not enough still eventually that that's not to dismiss it because none of us really would be on the pathway if we didn't just want some kind of nice, nicer experience to start off with, you know, so it's the common denominator that brings us all. Uh, here so 
but eventually it mis- kind of matures into something else uh, an urge for something permanent and stable. So when did that happen for you and how did it happen for you where where you you got off that roller coaster onto something more stable? Um, accident- it kind of happened accidentally in that one day I just didn't have any and this was at the end of a very long, you know, roller, two years of being on this roller coaster. I was just too exhausted to try to get that that high back again. And I just didn't really want it anyway, knowing that I was just going around another cycle. Yeah. And I tried everything I knew to get off that roller coaster. You know, the, the separate sense of, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to meditate more. I'm going to... I yeah, (laughs) and I'm going to do this really determined. You know, I'm going to really. I'm laughing now, but it was awful. It was perhaps the worst part of my awakening, and um, I was just too exhausted. I would rather admit that point that I'd failed completely than try again. It was just I just can't do that again. You know, I just can't go around that cycle one more time. There wasn't even any sort of willpower left to say, right, I'm going to step away from spirituality. I was just exhausted somehow. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me because in that lack of trying to get anywhere for just a few moments, um, there was this quietness, this peace, this silence. It was just boring silence, but I wasn't suffering. I was like, well, that's different. You know, that's, that's different. What is that? And there's this intense curiosity built. Uh, I had to figure out how I did that. You know, how did I notice that silence? Because, yeah. of course, then the seeker set off trying to find the silence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, all of that. You've been there, obviously, done that. Yes. <laughs> so I'm sure we all do. But it, it was really just by accident at first yeah. that there's something underneath any experience that's got everything we want in there it first kind of showed itself as silence to me um and then it was okay what can I do to notice that more to, to get back there and I just began to fall into it more and more um and when I finally got the had this recognition that if I just allow whatever's going on in my body and mind even if my body and mind is in a lot of pain or restless or frustrated or irritated when I sit to meditate if I just let that be this kind of silence that's there will be more and more obvious each time I notice it and um I finally accidentally arrived at a place of not trying to change myself only for short moments at first you know and um that was just something very different very nourishing very wholesome and a sense of already being who and where I want to be and not having strived to get to that point like an experience. Yeah, it's such a surprise that, isn't it? Because I think a lot of us on the spiritual path, we try so hard. You know, Mm -hmm. we try all these meditations and teachings and practices and try and try and try and try. Use willpower, as you said. And it's it's only when that was all spent for me that, Yes. Um, and I've heard that many times from many beings, you know, that that finally I was willing to look at some other way. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Doesn't that make sense? Because 
it's so easy to develop a spiritual ego who's going to do this. Yeah. And, and that's never going to wake up because it's still got all that energy, the same you know, you said you did things the same in your outer life as your spiritual life. I was the same type A personality. Right, here's a goal. I'm going to yeah. go for it and I'm going to achieve it. It's going to stop me. Yeah. <laughs> Eternal yeah. peace. Yeah, got that check. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Yeah, as you say, it's funny now, but it's not funny at the time. No. no, it's not at all funny at the time. So for anyone who's listening, who's really resonating with this, thinking, you know, this is... This is how I feel. This is, I've done this too. I've tried and tried and tried and tried, and I've only had little glimpses. If that, what what's your advice? I think the most important thing for me um, at that time was the recognition that if it's here all the time, what we really are, it must be available at any point. Therefore. Um, not buying this idea so much that I have to change my body and mind first before I can access this peace. That just literally stopping fighting for a moment, stopping trying to change anything for a moment, uh, really will open up something, uh, a possibility to to experience something. So we, we all have this spiritual myth I did for a very long time that I can only experience peace once my body and mind are where I want them to be. Once I've sorted out my karmic patterns, once I've let go of fear, once, you know, whatever it is that we feel we've got to do, then actually that's backwards. Only when I allow myself to be 100% as I am in this moment, if that's angry, I'm going to be angry. If it's sad, I'm going to be sad. Scared, I'm going to be scared. I don't have to like that, but I can also not push against it with everything I have because we believe that by pushing that away, that's pieces at the other side of that fear or something. And um, pieces right inside that in the lack of, it's just a kind of, I'll be what I am in this moment. And then there's a kind of a quietness that, that pops up with that silence that becomes more and more. It's just turning around this um, impossible task that we give ourselves that I've got to completely overhaul my whole being before I can arrive at awakening. But really the overhaul happens after afterwards the awakening, you know, meaning um, only from that place of quietness and stability can I stop fighting what needs to happen, you know, just to, um, can I just let myself be as I am and a little less how I think I should be in this moment? which is really surrender we're talking about there, isn't it? But Yeah. Um, so um, you used the word awakening there. What do you mean by awakening? What does that mean? That's a big question. Um, the best word that I've ever found to describe that for me would be authenticity. So coming to my life and myself and my experience without any shoulds or shouldn'ts. Um, There's not to say my mind, you know, let's say we were going to get on this podcast together and I was feeling grumpy or something. My mind might say, well, you shouldn't be, you should, you shouldn't be grumpy. Well, okay, but I am. Do I have to fight that? You know, and then it, it sort of dismisses itself anyway, but 
up until that point, they'd been the majority of my whole life uh, had been chasing some spiritual ideal of what I thought I should be. And perhaps really importantly for all of us, chasing some idea of what I thought awakening was. And whatever I thought it was, it certainly wasn't what I was like in this moment. That's that was the thing I was very the sure. Last of. Thing it was yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not this. Whatever it is, it's not this. And then this recognition dawned, it is this right now, right here, right as I am. And yes, I might like to be more loving or more forgiving or more compassionate, but I'm never going to achieve that by rejecting how I am in this moment already. You know, and that was that was just fundamental when I when I really saw that. And um there's a kind of stopping there, isn't there, in, in that am I awakened right now in this moment? Well, am I being authentic, whatever I am in this moment? However, my body and mind is showing up is how they are. And do I have to be in conflict with that? Is that the best way to get what I want anyway? Yeah. And that seems so counterintuitive almost. Absolutely. Because everything else we've ever achieved in our life, ever, we feel we've achieved by striving and efforting and struggling. Yeah. And this is the one thing you can't do that with. Yeah. And it's a, it's an unlearning, isn't it? It's a a forgetting of uh because we try to get peace like like we've tried to get everything else. If I just throw enough effort at it in enough time. Yeah, because we're conditioned to do that from the earliest age, aren't we? Yeah. If we want something, we have to work really hard and do all the right things. And yeah. the as you said, the last thing, the last place you expect to find it is just here, just right now, <laughs> right now, right now. Underneath the seeking, here it is already. And uh, yeah. um, at that point, I was I was really um. Uh, obsessed with this question is it true it's not here right now that's some peace whatever i'm looking for peace love forgiveness anything if i'm sure it's not here how can i ever feel it if i'm starting from that premise of i've got to do something or become something or change something to get it it's just going to go around forever like that and never arriving and i'm disturbing myself with that assumption it's not here so there's a kind of a maturity that came finally for me that whatever my current experience is, is just whatever my current experience is. And I don't need to keep on using that as evidence that I'm not able to find peace or awakening or whatever I'm calling it. Yeah. I think for a lot of us, I don't know whether it's more prevalent in women, that's maybe a bit of a generalisation, but... I think for a lot of us, underneath everything is is this kind of sense of unworthiness. I'm not good enough. Just the way I am is not enough. And and that, you know, that's exactly what I think what seems to motivate that that sense of it has to be somewhere else. It has to be not in my present condition because I can't yeah. be good enough. I can't, you know, how could from here, how could I feel or be that? Um, yeah, how how can I possibly accept I am the Buddha right now, mm-hmm. looking at my life and my experience and the state of my mind and my emotions, and it must be some anywhere else than here, some moment in the future, uh, and, and this fundamental feeling that we 
everyone I've ever come across has had of, of being inadequate on some basic level drives the whole seeking process uh, until it doesn't. Yeah. Like, what, what if I stop racing towards some future moment and actually look at what's here deeper right now? I might not have seen the wholeness of this moment right now, of what I actually am now already. I'm wondering, Helen, if you could just maybe lead us in just a really short, maybe five minutes or so, just just recognition of that, of of just being here now with whatever's arising for what you know people mm-hmm. are listening. Um, I think that you know that might be useful to 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 try to give people a real direct experience of what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we can start that very, very simply by just uh, accepting as much as we can in this moment how we are. So uh, whatever we're feeling, however our body is, our mind, whether there's thoughts coming and going or not, just kind of um, sitting with that. And this is our meditation. So whatever's happening is just happening. And for five minutes, we're not going to should or shouldn't ourselves. You know, our mind will want to get somewhere from this time, get something from it. But if we could just honor how we are right now, if that's fear, it's fear. If it's anger, frustration, impatience, that desperation or joy, whatever's happening is just happening. And just that very simple thing, noticing when we're trying to get somewhere again and just coming back to being here, this time we have together here for a few moments and recognizing how that feels in our body when we just let ourselves be. Not some idea of how we're supposed to be, how we actually are authenticity here just whatever is happening is happening and for five minutes we don't have to manage that and when we do that there's a kind of relaxation that begins to happen in the body and then eventually in the mind but it's not really that important thoughts are coming they're coming if attention goes to thoughts so what doesn't matter. And we're not trying to feel bliss or joy. We're just being here. Th- those might happen. They might not. Just resting in this quiet kind of authenticity that happens. I'm just here and that's all I need to do. Just showing up for this moment. Whatever this moment looks like. Who knows? but it's not my job to, to manage it. It's going to rest here, just being here. Enjoying what it feels like to not need to get anywhere for a few moments. There's nowhere else to be than here anyway. We're just relaxing into that. What does it feel like to just be here? to just stop chasing some ideal picture of ourselves for a moment. 
what does that what effect does that have on our body when we just stop and we're just here and naturally there's a kind of just quietness in that maybe just a contentment a fullness a richness of this moment so it's kind of just a different way to orient our life i hope that gave you a, a taste of that for a few moments yeah thank you helen i think that demonstrated just how simple it can be you know we don't need a lot of of complicated meditation practices but just for me the 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 feeling that always comes with that is relief yeah. there's such a sense of relief and peace and mm-hmm. and it's okay I think of of so many years of feeling not okay, not enough, that recognition that I'm okay, that this it's better than okay. It's perfect, actually. But I am enough right now. Right now, whatever I am is enough. And it could never be otherwise. Yeah. Just becomes clear as you just sit in that kind of way of being more and more. Yeah. And that's just so healing, isn't it? That is love, really, isn't it? Right now I am however I am, and that's perfect. And my body and mind will continue to evolve towards this ideal picture that I have, but I'm not going to get there by struggling Mm. or rejecting myself. Yes. It's just, um, it feels like grace to me. That's the Mm. word that always comes to me. It just feels like grace. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you. so you are going to be one of our teachers in the Integrated Awakening series. Um, I'll just say a little bit about the Integrated Awakening series. It's a, a year-long programme that the Teachers of God Foundation have put together, where we've brought um, a dozen spiritual teachers. And the image, when, when we were thinking of this, the image that came to me was the diamond, you know, that every teacher was shining the, their light on a particular facet of the diamond mm. in order that, we, you know, we can have direct experience. It, you know, we can, it's not about, you know, slavishly following the, te- the teacher, um, the teacher's pra- teachings or um, learning anything, having an intellectual understanding, but really having a direct experience of what each teacher is pointing to. And so you are joining us in March, uh, Helen, um, and your series of four workshops is called Dissolving the Eagle. So Mm -hmm. um, first of all, talk a little bit about what the ego is in in your view. And, you know, Dissolving the Eagle is the ego necessary? You know, can we dissolve it completely, or do we do we need it? Or just talk a little bit from your perspective about what the ego is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, well, the the ego to me, I mean, it, it's 
it's a very loose definition, but for me, the ego was this kind of, or the dysfunctional part of the ego was this kind of uh, relentlessly trying to get somewhere other than I am right now that we were just kind of speaking about, fueled by uh, anywhere other than now and um, fueled by uh, beliefs that we're still holding on to about ourselves. And you touched upon one of those. <clears throat> Firstly, this idea that I am uh, unworthy of peace, you know, or inadequate in some way. And then a more fundamental idea that I am a separate being, separate to everything else. I'm a small, limited, finite being. Um, and the reason it's called uh, dissolving the ego is because naturally we we kind of need that functionality. I'm using that functionality right now to have this conversation, but it it moves in a much more fluid way, in a much more natural way. Um, we could call it personality, we could call it ego, but what, what is the individual aspect of me is like when it's not caught up with all these beliefs, when it's not running from software programmed from previous lifetimes and you know conditioning in this lifetime as well? What does that look like when that's dissolved from some hard, rigid way of seeing myself and the world into just some very fluid um, where I can express what gives me joy more and uh, be a beneficial presence, whichever way each one of us does that, that facet, that jewel, that diamond you were saying is, is a beautiful picture because we're all a facet on that, aren't we? Uh, a face on there and we've all got our way to shine, but it's hard for that to occur when it's trying to come through all these very set ideas we have about ourselves and about what awakening is and, um, so yeah, we do need that while we have a human body to some degree. We need some kind of sense of self, and that's not a mistake. Um, it's actually a functionality like a software program in a way for the body-mind so we can play in duality. Um, but that should be a secondary uh, optional extra rather than the only mode of functioning we have, I think, which is how most human beings start out. Yeah. So um, talk a bit about what you will be teaching over those four weeks. If people were to join us, what might they experience? Well, it's really um, a condensed version of everything I wish I knew when I was waking up. Uh, everything I found out through trial and error that could shortcut the process for someone else. So the first uh, lesson, we'll be looking at meditation. So we've, we've just done a little bit of meditation, um, but it became clearer to me that there are several ways to find that silence. Some people recognize it more as awareness. Some people feel a sense of stillness. Some people uh, describe it as a sense of presence, consciousness. There's all these different ways. And like um, we're all individual and unique. Each person has a different way of finding their way into that silence. That became very clear to me that there is no one way that that happens. So that's the first lesson: finding, trying out, and finding your way in, or ways in to that that quiet peace, that knowingness that we were just diving into. How do I stop pushing against this moment? Well, let me listen to the silence. Let me notice the awareness um, in that. In the second lesson, we 
uh, perhaps do something just as important. Um, in fact, it was the, the largest part of my awakening, uh, as we've discussed. Uh, how do I, uh, once having recognised that silence, that peace, that consciousness, how do I live like that? What do I actually do <clears throat> when I'm feeling that silence and then some thought comes up? that seems to grab my attention with some strong emotion or some experience happens uh, that seems to take my attention away from that piece. And um, it's really more lesson one is meditation, lesson two is contemplation. Questioning these beliefs in a loving um, way, how to actually do that. And just the questioning of them brings you back to that silent space inside anyway. Um, there's a, a fundamental skill for me to learn. Uh, lesson three is uh, self-inquiry. Um, so one of the stages of my own awakening was uh, recognising that silence as we've been talking about. But then after a while, it became clear that I still felt separate to it. There was me and it. And I hear this a lot from, from people I'm working with, that that's the fundamental step for them. So how do we come to know I am that silence, I am that awareness, that consciousness, that presence, because we have a very different experience contemplating beliefs, letting go of karmic patterns as the silence itself than as a seeker trying to get somewhere. It's a very different experience. So self-inquiry, looking at some very direct questions, um, proving experientially that there isn't a me and it, the first kind of belief that really we struggle with. I'm here listening to the silence, which is somewhere else. Or there's me and then there's awareness, or my awareness and the awareness, you know, the, this first challenge that we struggle with. So once we can prove to ourselves experientially that I am looking from the place I'm trying to get to, everything flips around, you know, in that. And then lesson four is kind of the icing on the cake. It's um, another really challenging part of my own awakening was coming to find out the difference. How do I resolve this idea of form and formless being two different things? What can I do experientially? Uh, because I was eventually I was just having two experiences, the experience where I felt like I was formless and free. And then I'd be thrown back into this experience of living in the world, doing everything I have to do. And uh, that, that was a very different feeling. And I wanted that freedom all the time. So lesson four is about that. How can I have the same experience with my eyes open of quietness and peace and when I'm moving around, when I'm doing the school run, when I'm, you know, doing some work, when I'm doing the food shopping. It's just kind of a... Um, everything I wish I'd known really when I was in that place and yeah yeah and that's the real integration isn't it absolutely um, yeah because because I know I know that sense of of almost you know we're talking about a non-dual path and yet there's a part there's an a, there's a stage on that path where it feels very dual that there's there's absolutely. yeah so bringing bringing those things together and you know one of the sorry Helen you're going to say something I was just going to say um 
I, I tend to draw people to me who have had or are in the process of seeing what they are, but are really struggling as the same for me to, to live like that. How do I then come to make that a permanent thing? You know, as we were saying before, um, that for me was the most difficult part of it. Um, how do I be a mum and a sister and an employee and all that and still come from that same place? Is that even possible? You know, that was a struggle. Uh, the course, the, the workshop is aimed at really. Because it doesn't mean anything if we can only experience it in meditation or for brief periods of time. It's got to change our life fundamentally and bring priests into our relationships, into our work, into our uh, family, doesn't it? Otherwise, it's not really yes. – um, that's why we're all doing it, isn't it, really? Yeah. It used to remind me of um, – I don't know if you've ever worked in an office, but, you know, the, the thing where you work in an office all year and you just look forward to your two-week summer holiday. Mm-hmm. You go to your summer holiday and you have a great time, but then you've got to come back to the office when the two weeks are over. and. Yeah that reminds me of that you know we can go to this kind of place place is not the word but you know what I mean we feel blissful and and joyful but then we come back and we're in a queue at the supermarket and things are locking down because of the pandemic and how do how do we integrate all of that and for me there was such a block around being a weirdo you know I used to think if I if I really pursue this you know in my heart I wanted to pursue it but I, I would think oh, I'll be so weird and I won't be able to relate to anybody and it'll make me a completely different person. Yeah. I kind of had an idea as well of a, a happy zombie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that'd be a kind of I'll walk into the supermarket and I'll just hug everyone that I see. Yeah, you kind know, of floating, floating yeah. along the aisles. And, so, and everybody will just be looking at me like, really? You know. So what, what's your experience, Helen, as, as your awakening has deepened and progressed? Are, are you still a normal person or are you are you in an elevated state? Talk talk about that. Because I think that's so important because it's kind of, so many people say, I don't yeah. want to pursue this because I'm going to end up weird. I won't even want to be a mom anymore. Will I be able to be a mother to my kids? All these fears came, you know, will I even care about anything else? And I could say that uh, my experience has been the exact opposite. Um, that I finally feel at home in my life now. I'm finally not trying to avoid any part of my human existence. I'm actually enjoying all of it, the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows. And um, it's turned around all of my relationships through this integration process that I may not have the same opinion as someone else, but I can respect their opinion now. I don't have to try to be right all the time, you know, and there's a wonderful, I think in any authentic awakening, there's a there's a very grounded, stable normalness about it, an extraordinary ordinariness about it somehow that you could walk past anyone in the street and they wouldn't know that you were awakened and you wouldn't want to tell them because it doesn't mean anything. It's just the richness of the connection with that human being at that moment. It could just be a passing smile to somebody or a normal conversation about something seemingly mundane. There's a rich connection there uh, where you're just experiencing this to the fullness of, of what you can. And it's totally, 
like all of my fears about awakening, it turned out to be totally ungrounded that I actually finally feel like I can just be Helen also. Whatever that is, I don't know. I'm figuring it out day by day. That's the authenticity, isn't it? That's yeah. the absolute authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. And a life without shoulds and shouldn'ts. Yeah. A human life without shoulds and shouldn'ts is extraordinary and joyful and rewarding and passionate. Yeah. I always say um, should is the mantra of the ego. Is yes, it, definitely. It's a trigger. It's, it's and I should the, not should myself, you know, that's yeah. the final one, isn't it? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I should stop that now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, I think that that's how there's such just peace and relief in just just this, you know, yeah. complete acceptance. Now, I've, I've read so many things in the past that didn't make sense to me at the time, you know, the end of seeking, loving what is, just yeah. you know, the power of now, as we discussed earlier, um, you know, I thought that can't make that doesn't make any sense because I'm not there yet. Yeah. You know, like the child. I love what is when what is yeah. is so messed up right now for me. What yeah. is this crap? I don't want it. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't want this. I want something else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Helen. Um, and I really hope that you know the people that are listening to us are getting a glimpse of what you're pointing to, and the yeah. simplicity. Just to. To, to believe in yourself, wherever you are at your awakening, that it is possible, no matter what you're going through. You know, I had four small children when I first started, really. I had to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning to meditate because it's the only time I had. But, you know, not to believe in any reason why you can't do this or have this. It yeah. just takes um, some belief in yourself. That's the only missing thing for most people. And, and it's totally possible. And I really feel that we're here to, to demonstrate it's possible, all of us, in a normal, everyday way, that you don't have to be sitting on top of a mountain or in a cave or... Yeah, you don't need to go to India. Yeah, or, um, or quit your job or any of that stuff. You know, it's life just carries on, but in a much more beautiful way. Yeah, yeah. So I think maybe my final question would be, is spiritual awakening for everybody? Absolutely. Everybody that wants it, of course, you know, um, and, and most of the battle for us is overcoming or, or starting to challenge those ideas that it's not going to happen for me or that it can't happen for me because the ideals, the, the, the spiritual heroes we have uh, tend to be, we put them on a pedestal in our mind. Um, you know, I bet that spiritual teacher isn't just sat with a cup of tea in her pajamas. You know, I bet they're, <laughs> Deep in meditation, or I bet they're not watching something on Netflix. Netflix, you know, I was say or that. you know. If I'm doing that, I'm doing it wrong. And, but they're just a human being too, yeah. doing what human beings do. Uh, and if you could see their life, you'd say, "Well, that's just like mine." Yeah. They're just more peaceful while they're doing it. You know, mm. it's possible, totally possible for everyone. Yeah. And so a follow-up question, as opposed to that, would be, does it take a long time? <sighs> I would like to constantly point people back to what's available now rather than looking. Am I peaceful now? Am I focused on this moment now? Is the only control we've ever got. And 
however long it takes for that to become a permanent thing where my attention just habitually rests here in this moment rather than off to some future um, is going to be it's as long as it takes but we can speed that by uh, really fundamentally understand what we've spoken about today that um, I don't get to where I want to be by trying to get there I get there by relaxing into where I am already. And that's very paradoxical to mind, isn't it? Yes, the deeper true. we get that, the faster it is, definitely. Yeah. So another of the things I read that I didn't understand for the longest time, the pathless path. What do yeah. they mean, the pathless path? Well, that's not very helpful. You know, that's not very... How can I do yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But all we have is this moment, you know, that's all we can control. And if we do that enough, not controlling this moment, but doing what we did in the meditation, authenticity, that becomes a habit too. And eventually, like any habit, it becomes effortless. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you followed along with us in that little meditation that Helen did and you had even the tiniest glimpse of peace, the tiniest sense of, then I really would encourage you to come and join us in March and more details of what Helen will be teaching will be in the show notes for this podcast. So, Helen, thank you so much. It's always a delight to talk to you. And I, I feel I actually feel as if I could talk to you for days on end. <laughs> thank um, you so much, Susan. It's been enjoyable as always. And uh, it's always so uh, affirming to me uh, you know, not that it's it's fun that people are going through struggles, but when people come with questions and challenges, it kind of reaffirms what I went through in my own awakening, that we all go through the same thing, yeah. the same challenges and all of that, you know, and it's just so nice to come together like this, isn't it, to help each other. Yeah, yeah, and that's the real value of the Evolve community that the Integrated mm. Awakening Series is part of. You know, we have a community of over 500 people who are all devoted to spiritual awakening and and that sense of being being together and um, sharing our own journeys and and knowing that you know it, it's this, it's the same for all of us yeah. um, that we go through the same processes and we can hold each other's hand I love what Ram Das said we're all just walking each other mm -hmm. home that's it's just so true isn't it I once heard him say it's just so reassuring to know I'm not the only weirdo and I thought, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well isn't that a perfect place to end <laughs> absolutely Thank you. Thank you so much, Helen. And I really look forward um, to being with you in your classes for the Integrated Awakening series in March. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Awareness Podcast. Please remember to subscribe so that you receive a notification each time a new episode is released. Be sure to tune in next Friday for living the non-dual understanding with Bill Free and his guest, Jenny Sheehan, MD, in an episode entitled From Profession to Vocation, Living an Inspired Life. The Awareness Podcast is brought to you by the Teachers of God Foundation in association 
with pure presence confidences.